Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening. We're on the world listening to this radio broadcast. Stevie B's Media Production presents the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler. And this radio show is being broadcast from Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina Studio in the great state of North Carolina with my co-host, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Dr. Frank Washington Jr. from the state of Florida, Stanley Hubbard from the state of Indiana, Clay Phillips from the state of Georgia, Steve Quarto from the state of Illinois, Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida, you support from the state of Indiana, and Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey. We are just grateful for the privilege to bring you a program where we as Christians and members of the Churches of Christ can share our faith and preach and teach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give us a call to the live show at 713-955-0508, or you can go to the Blog Talk Radio website and listen to the show live there. There are over 1,700 live shows on that website at this hour, and you will consistently find this radio show on pages one through four of that website. You'll find the show on page one of the website this evening. What a blessing. If you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts on this broadcast, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com or you can call Stevie B's Media Production at Carolina Studio at 910-491-6405. Now again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ, and if you need any assistance in locating the congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now folks, Get out your Bibles and stand along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask that you would bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving Heavenly Father, the Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day. And placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you will be with my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington Jr. And you support as they break into our listeners 
the bread of life. And also my co-host Steve Corder, who will be answering our question that on the hearts of so many, we just pray that you'll continue to bless them and their families that support their efforts to sow the seed of the kingdom. But we pray that you'll be with our listeners who are tuning in to this broadcast via Blog Talk Radio, as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well, that they may consider their eternal stance before you, and that their hearts may be pricked. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We are just so grateful for his precious sacrifice on Calvary's cross. We recognize that without such a sacrifice, we will not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. Father, we pray that you'll continue to bless us and keep us in love us all the days of our lives. And if we have been faithful until death, Father, we pray that you'll save us. For us in Christ's name, we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. In the first segment of the broadcast, my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington Jr., he's from the, he serves the West Brower Church of Christ there in Plantation, Florida. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And also in the second segment, we have a question from my social media platform on Facebook called Shout It Out that we'll be posing to my co-host, Steve Cordo. He serves as the evangelist for the East Park Church of Christ there in Danville, Illinois. And he'll be answering that question. And then to close out the show, my co-host Yusuf, Al- Yusuf Ford, he serves as the evangelist for the Livingstone Church of Christ there in Indianapolis, Indiana. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ to close out the show. So open up your Bibles now and open your minds and let's have a great show. After the break, the next voice you'll be that of my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington, Jr. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Let us gather just for a crown of 
listening to the gospel light radio show give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of jesus christ now my co-host dr frank washington jr good evening ladies and gentlemen thank you all for taking the time out of your busy schedule tonight uh, to listen to uh, what saith the lord tonight we want to talk about Sin, the freedom from sin. This comes from the Epistle of the Romans in chapter 8, verse 1 through 25. In our introduction, we want to let you know that it's important to understand how serious we take uh, the problem of sin. How serious do you take the problem of sin? The guilt of sin, the power of sin. There is a corruption of sin, but do we really appreciate the freedom, or, or can you appreciate the freedom from sin that we can experience now in our lives and that we can look forward to in the future? Now, in Romans chapter 8, 1 through 25, Paul writes about the freedom from sin that one finds in Jesus Christ. And to appreciate more fully the blessings we have in Christ, this is something that I want you to consider first as we go through uh, this lesson. So I want you all to track this with me. Number one, the freedom from the condemnation of sin. Freedom from the condemnation of sin. Now, the condemnation of sin, what is it? Everybody is guilty of sin. According to Romans 3 uh, and verse 23, for it says, for all have sinned and fallen short. Uh, of the glory of God. Also in 1 John 1, 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So even if one or a person committed just one sin, let's just say it, if it's possible, you were to, you know someone who has committed only just one sin. Well, the Bible answers that question. 
James chapter 2 and verse 10 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. Verse 11, For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Not only that, unforgiven sin separates us from God. And the ultimate condemnation is death, especially the second death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life uh, in our Lord Jesus Christ. So, that all of us are guilty of sin. That's the main point of Romans chapter 1. But then we come to the freedom. There is freedom from sin. So from the condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ, and for in baptism there is death to sin and newness of life. Romans uh, chapter 6 and 3 says, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him. We are buried with him. It's an important part. We are buried with him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk uh, therein. Now, who walks not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit? Who walks not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit? That's Romans 8 and 1. But explain more fully it's going to be, well, I'm going to explain it more fully in, in, the, in, in the rest of this lesson later on. But it also, in Paul's epistle to the Galatians, he says, I, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. So from condemnation for those who are in Christ, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. All of this is made possible by two things. Number one, the law or the principle of the spirit of Jesus Christ, Romans 8, 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made me free. There's that word free from the law of sin and death. Now, the law or the spirit of the of life in Jesus Christ that sets one uh, a person free from the law and the sin of death. It also the law of sin and death which enslaves. Now, being someone who is free from the law of sin and death, or the law of sin and death which enslaves. The second part is the death of Christ. The first part is. It's made possible by the principle of the Spirit of Christ. And the second is, it's made possible by the death of Christ. Romans 3, I mean Romans 8 and verse number 3. Doing what the law of Moses could not do, condemning sin in the flesh. Fulfilling the righteous requirement of the law for you and for me. So that justification, or shall we say no condemnation, is found in Christ and that's the theme of Romans chapter 4 through verse number 7. But the freedom from sin that we enjoy 
in Jesus Christ involves freedom from the condemnation uh, of sin. But there's more to this. So don't 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 leave me now. There's there's more to this. There's also number two, the freedom from the power of sin, the freedom from the power of sin. What is the power of sin? Well, the problem, first of all, the problem of sin is not limited to a person's guilt, as if the guilt of sin weren't bad enough. But sin also has power to enslave a person. See, it can take over their minds, and if it takes over their minds, it can take over their body. So it enslaves a person, so they can't do what they really want to do in serving Jesus Christ. So that's the problem of sin. It's not limited to guilt. And then the next part is Jesus described the power of sin. In John 8, uh, 31, he said, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, and that abide is a, is, is a, is a lesson all into itself, but if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. Well, there we go. Uh, when one commits sin, they have become a slave to sin. So the freedom under consideration here is freedom from the slavery of sin. Third part of this lesson is Paul vividly depicts his life under the bondage of sin. He depicts his life from the bondage of uh, of sin, Romans seven and verse number fourteen. He says a few things here. He says he was he was sold under sin. Uh, he could not do what he wanted, and what he did not wish to do, he did. Do you find yourself in that situation sometimes? Yeah, I know I do. So I'm going to raise my hand on this one. But then later he found that sin dwells in him. Not only did it dwell in him, he said it dwells in me. He's not only did it dwell in Paul. It also dwells in me, and it also dwells in you, so nobody has a right to point out anybody else's problems because you have problems of your own. Amen. But though he desired to do good, how to perform what is good, he said, I do not find. And then he later says, uh, he was brought into captivity into the law of sin, which is in his members, and it made him wretched, crying out for deliverance uh, from this body of death. Now, that comes from Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7. He says, sin has the power to enslave. That's his point. He says, sin has the power to enslave you and me. Don't underestimate, brothers and sisters, ladies and friends, visitors. Do not understand, uh, underestimate the power uh, of sin because mankind, we all, uh, will definitely need some uh, deliverance. Amen. Now, now there is power or there is freedom. Uh, the Bible says for those who live according to the spirit and not the flesh, there is freedom. Romans uh, 5, 8 and verse number 5. For those who live, here it comes, here, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded, boy, I tell you, that's life. And, and, and more, more than life, it's also, uh, it's also peace. So for those who live according to the spirit and not the flesh, you're going to have life and you're going to have peace. 
by setting them, their minds on the things of the spirit and not of the flesh. Therefore, they can enjoy life and they can enjoy peace and not death. So whereby they can submit to God and please him while those in the flesh uh, cannot please uh, Jesus uh, and cannot please God. So for those who have the indwelling of the spirit, a blessing from those that who belong to Christ. It is a blessing. For those who have the indwelling of the Spirit, it is a blessing for those who belong to Jesus Christ. It provides life to our mortal bodies that were dead, dead because of sin. Romans 6 and 12 says, Therefore do not let sin reign. Don't let it overtake or become more than in your mortal body that you should obey uh, obey it in its lust, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments uh, of Jesus Christ. So, uh, for those who, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body, uh, who are we are no longer indebted to live according to the flesh, but we can live according to the Spirit. And for those who are children of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, we're led by the Spirit of God, by whom they cry, Abba, Father, Galatians 4 and verse number 6. We are also heirs of glory. We are heirs. You are heirs of glory if willing to suffer the price uh, with him. So with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can break free uh, from that bondage of sin. And freedom from the condemnation of sin and the power of sin, you know, tell you the truth, what more can you ask for? If we, if we, if I and you and me, if we had freedom from condemnation uh, of sin and the power of sin, what more could we ask for? Well, how about freedom from the corruption of sin, right? Well, what's that? All right, here we go. The corruption of sin, because of sin, mankind experiences physical death. Adam and Eve were cast out from the Garden of Eden, and access to the tree of life was lost. Thus, the physical death ensued. But because of sin, even the creation was placed under a curse. Genesis 3.17, Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. And toil, you shall eat of it, and all the days of uh, your life. So because of sin, it's because of sin, a lot of us find ourselves in a lot of problems. Uh, even the creation was placed under a curse, subjected to uh, fertility, um, and bondage to corruption, groaning and laboring in birth pains. That's, those are the things uh, that you find under the corruption of sin, the effects of sin, it's permeated all of creation. And not only has it permeated all of creation, it has kind of gotten really uh, bad in this day and age right now. But from the corruption of sin, we move on to uh, the fact that don't, don't give up because there will be freedom. There will be freedom. The glorious liberty of the children of God is found in Romans 8 
and verse number 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Verse 19 says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. So the glorious liberty of the children of God, there will be freedom to be revealed one day. We don't know when that day is, but it will be revealed one day. Colossians 3 and 4 tells us that when Christ, who is our life, appears, uh, then you will also appear with him in glory. Great, oh, hallelujah. Making any present suffering unworthy to be compared. Now, even the creation will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. If you know what Paul says, uh, he does not say that the creation will be delivered into its own liberty. But what he does say is, but into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And that means the present heavens and earth will pass away and there will be new heavens uh, and new earth. Second Peter 3, verse 10 through 14. Now, involving all of this, all of this is going to be involving our own resurrection. Uh, for which we hope, for you and me, we all hope. Romans 8.23 says, uh, not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body, for we were saved, we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. Oh my gosh, it's that that's powerful there, involving our own resurrection for which we hope, the resurrection of our body, which we eagerly await, and saved for this very hope uh, for which we wait with perseverance. So with the, with the, with the resurrection of the dead, uh, the creation of a new heaven and earth, the corruption of sin, my friends, will be no more. Now, let me run to this conclusion real quick. The freedom of sin that is available in Jesus Christ. Listen to this, friends. If you're not a member of the body of Christ, uh, listen to this. The freedom from sin that is available in Jesus Christ involves freedom from the condemnation of sin. It involves freedom from the power of sin. This is available to you tonight, right now. And it involves the freedom from the corruption of sin. Let me go over that one more time. The freedom from sin that is available to you and me right now in Christ involves the freedom from the condemnation of sin, the freedom from the power of sin, and freedom from the corruption of sin. Now, unless we receive the freedom from sin found only in Jesus Christ, we are going, or you are going to be guilty of sin in the last day. You're going to remain enslaved to sin. And you're going to remain under the corruptive influence of sin. But by responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ with an obedient faith, freedom from the devastating effects of sin can be yours tonight with the hope of a glorious liberty 
when Jesus Christ returned. Well, I hope this lesson helped you tonight. I hope it helps you to grow. I hope it helps you to understand that if you are not a member uh, of the body of Christ, then you are still in your sins. Do you want to be free from those sins? Do you want to be free from the condemnation of sin, free from the power of sin, free from the corruption of sin? And then you have that opportunity uh, tonight. And, and if you enjoyed this lesson, you can contact me or contact Stevie, and we'll let you know more about what you need to do uh, to get your life right uh, with your obedient faith. Thank you so much. God bless you. And keep your hand in God's hand. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I was hurting all alone. I was searching for a comfort. I could find on my own with no direction. Feeling down My life was headed for disaster Till you turned me around Nothing ever had been able to ease me When trying to please me It only pleased me less But when I learned about the way that you love me had to put your honor above me And you gave me rest Lead me to rest, sweet Lord Lead me to rest oh, From my journey here Lead me to rest The relief I found From the burdens that have weighed me What a comfort, what a deal As I consider what you offered me How can it be real? What should I offer in return? When the value of your blessings No one could ever, ever And you made it so clear, yeah. I'm supported when the devil would charm me. Protected when the evil would harm me. Tell me how can I feel? Lead me to rest, sweet Lord. Lead me to rest. From my journey here, lead me to You had to say Not a word you had
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shout it out question. Good evening, Stevie, and thank you for having me on the show again. Welcome to our audience listening on the Blog Talk Radio platform or whichever platform you happen to be listening on. We're glad that you have taken the time out, especially during the holiday season when it just seems like everybody's got so much going on. We appreciate you uh, taking the time to listen to the program. This week's question uh, that I'm going to be answering was posted by uh, Gerald Williams in the Shout It Out group on Facebook where you can go and post questions, or if you have questions, you can always use social media to contact Stevie or me or whoever uh, you would like to contact on the program, but he asked a question um, about Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is a internationally known uh, best-selling author, astrophysicist. Uh, you see him on a lot of talk shows, a lot of YouTube channels, talking about various science uh, topics. Uh, but he said, this is what uh, uh, Gerald Williams says and asks. He says that um, Neil deGrasse Tyson is on the internet spreading bad reasoning by saying that bad things in this world, like tsunamis and disease, prove that God is either unable to stop evil or just not good enough to stop evil. I have a few questions about Tyson's reasoning. Can all evil be uh, prevented in a world labeled the fallen world? Can all evil be prevented in a world labeled the fallen world? Can the fallen world still be paradise without creating a contradiction? If man fell from grace of a perfect paradise, can God justify making the fallen world another perfect paradise without contradicting himself? What is it exactly that makes the fallen world different from uh, paradise? Now, 
just reading this uh, this uh, uh, statement that uh, Williams makes, it brings other questions to my mind that I would like to ask for clarification, but really can't do it, so we'll just take it and do what we can with it. Now, I don't know what he has in mind about paradise. He says, can the fallen world still be paradise without creating a contradiction? If man fell from the grace of a perfect paradise, can God justify making the fallen world another perfect paradise without contradicting himself? What is it exactly that makes the fallen world different from paradise? Now, can the fallen world still be paradise without creating a contradiction? Now, the word paradise only appears three times in the entire Bible, and all three times are in the New Testament. Now, uh, Luke 23:43, probably the best known of the three times where Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Of course, he's talking to the thief on the cross. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 5, Paul says, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or whether out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. And then in Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give him uh, to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So notice th th these three references to paradise, and none of them mention anything about a paradise on earth. And the Greek uh, word here, paradise, according to a Vine's expository dictionary, is an oriental word first used by the historian Xenophon, uh, denoting the, the parks of the Persian kings and nobles. And then the Septuagint translators used it uh, uh, of the Garden of Eden. Now, the Septuagint is the Greek translation written about 250 B.C. or so. It's the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures. That was done in Alexandria, Egypt. Uh, there were 70 translators. Septa is, comes from the Greek word for seven, so it's just telling you how many people were uh, involved in it, and if you are reading a, a Bible resource, a commentary, or something like that, Septuagint is often abbreviated uh, as LXX, which is Roman numeral 70. So you notice that in Luke 23, as I mentioned, that that is the promise the Lord made to that repentant robber. This is going back to, to uh, Vines, uh, uh, Vines Dictionary. Luke 23, 43 is the promise of the Lord to the repentant robber. Uh, was fulfilled the same day. Uh, Christ at his death, having committed his spirit to the Father, went, in, went into spirit immediately into heaven itself, the dwelling place of God. Now, this is Vines. And so the place of paradise must have been a great comfort to the malefactor, he says. And so uh, that, that man was saved. There's no question about it. Uh, but uh, the paradise there obviously does not refer to the earth. And then Vines goes on to say that to the Oriental mind it expresses some total of blessedness. Uh, the Apostle Paul was caught up, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 4, spoken of as the third heaven, and does not introduce a different vision beyond the heavens of the, of the natural creation. So, oh, and then uh, Revelation 2, 7, almost forgot that one. The same region is mentioned in Revelation 2, verse 7, 
where the tree of life, uh, the figurative anti-type of that in Eden is held out to the overcomer, uh, spoken of as being the paradise of God. So none of this has anything to do with the earth. The only religious group I know of that says anything about a paradise earth is the Jehovah's Witnesses. I don't know if Mr. Williams is affiliated with them or not. So the idea of a paradise earth is not found in Scripture. Now, having said that, we could conclude that all that the uh, fall, that had the fall not occurred, we would have some sort of paradise, uh, you know, in Eden or however that would have worked out. We don't know. We'll probably never know unless God reveals it to us in the last time somehow. But as of right now, sitting right here making this um, presentation, you know, we live in a fallen world with sinful people. We don't have any sort of a paradise but now to the point and the question about evils and disasters, uh, Solomon once said there is nothing new under the sun. And this statement or question from Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, certainly falls into that category. There is nothing new. In fact, this same question was asked hundreds of years before Christ even set physical foot on the earth. Now, this is what uh, the man named Epicurus, who was a Greek philosopher, uh, lived about 341 to 271 B.C., somewhere in there. Uh, this is what we call the Epicurean Paradox. Uh, it's a, or Epicurean Riddle or Epicurean uh, Trilemma. And uh, this is his uh, questions about the problems of evil. And basically it comes down to this, and this is what I see that uh, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and Williams are asking, and that is this. Either God wants to abolish evil and cannot, uh, or he can, but does not want to. If God wants to, but cannot, he is impotent. If he can, but does not want to, he is wicked. If God can abolish evil, and God really wants to do it, why is there evil in the world? Now, what Epicurus and philosophers and unbelievers are trying to say when they give this argument is that we as Christians cannot logically accept these three premises, that God is all-powerful. Number two, God is all-good, and nevertheless, evil exists in the world. If God is all-powerful, he should want to get rid of evil. He must be able to prevent it and rid the world of it. And we need to be ready, of course, to answer this argument against God. If we are sharing the gospel with people, uh, as we should be, then this is going to come up eventually. And so Peter said to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So we should have an answer. Now, you always have to keep in mind, Peter said, have an answer. He didn't say that people would like your answer or accept your answer. He just said to have an answer. What they do with it is going to be uh, up to them. So what do we do with this problem? of evil and disasters like tsunamis and earthquakes and such. Well, Neil deGrasse Tyson is a smart man. He is an astrophysicist. He has an earned Ph.D. So he is well aware of the natural laws that govern the universe and how many weather phenomenon and issues are caused simply by warm air rising from the Earth's surface and colliding with cold air that's coming down. Quite a few. Uh, We have natural disasters like hurricanes, which someone once told me, a geologist once told me, and I'm not a geologist, so I don't know this, but he once told me there is a benefit 
sometimes from hurricanes, and that they recharge water tables. Now, if you're a geologist and you know better than that, you know, you do with that what you will. And I'm not saying that it's worth all the disaster and uh, mayhem that gets inflicted by hurricanes to have them, but that is, uh, if that is true, that's something that uh, can uh, come from something that's bad, and I'll talk about how God can use the good and the bad and, and make it uh, make it work for, for his glory. Now, uh, I was born in Alabama. Anybody who knows me knows that. But I grew up in Alaska. I was about 11 months old when my dad, uh, the Air Force, shipped us off to Alaska. And we got there just about one year after the uh, infamous Good Friday earthquake that struck in March of 1964. It is, as far as I know, still the largest recorded earthquake uh, uh, since they started keeping records. It was, I think, when you make all the adjustments, it was around a 10 on the Richter scale. And it produced a 200-foot tsunami that wiped out the city of Valdez. The city had to be moved about two or three miles inland uh, because of it. And, uh, and I think until recently, that was uh, that held the record for the largest tsunami. Now, when it comes, if we if we uh, we have disasters uh, like earthquakes and things like that, uh, we have to take common sense precautions for things like that to prevent damage. And when we consider uh, these laws, getting back to that, these laws that provide order in the world and in the universe, because if we didn't have them, we would never know what to expect. For instance, if I get up on the roof of the house where I'm making uh, this uh, this broadcast, and I decide to step off, and I hit the driveway below, and I break my leg, well, that's not anything I can really blame God on. God, we got this physical law called gravity. And I know what's going to happen if I step off the roof of the house and I hit the ground. Now, if I do that and then say, oh, it's God's fault, I broke my leg, well, no, it was my fault for being dumb and stepping off the roof of the house or not taking safety precautions. If I'm up there laying roof tiles or shoveling snow off the roof or something like that, you know, I have to take safety precautions, you know, maybe strap myself to it, uh find some flat part of the roof to work from, do something to take precautions. This is where God gave us a brain to think with and to reason with. So mayhem does come about. Bad things do come about. So let's look at this idea of how and why uh, these things happen. If God is so good, why is there so much of this? Now, I'll give you a couple of good resources you can look at. One is a book called True for You But Not for Me by Paul Copen, and he addresses a lot of these, and some of the answers that I have, uh, parts of my lesson tonight are coming from this book. Uh, also, uh, go on YouTube and look up a, 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 a YouTube channel called Cross-Examined by Frank Turpin. He co-authored the book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, uh, correct, not politically correct, and a book called Stealing from God, where he makes the case that atheists actually use what would they steal arguments from God to use against God. In other words, our discussion tonight about evil, evil, Turpin says, is actually an argument for the existence of God. How does that work? Well, simply because we have to have a standard of good and bad. Where do we get that from? Where do we get our sense of good and bad? Uh, and we can't have evil without good. And if you look at his videos, he's got a better explanation than I can give uh, right here uh, in this lesson. But we have to realize that God is 
uh, and all-powerful, and he is a good God. There is a line of logic that says an all-powerful God could destroy evil. A good God would destroy evil, but evil is not destroyed. Therefore, there cannot possibly be such a good and powerful God. And on the surface, that sounds reasonable. But then we realize the standard we're using to measure the ability is fault, uh, to measure uh, the ability of God and His will is faulty, because we use a human standard many times. What we think or uh, I think is good or evil. You know, when men dislike what the Bible says, they often say, well, the God I know would never, and then they describe their God who sounds really just like them and permits the things that they would permit. We are hardly objective in measuring such things. Just about everybody has an opinion. Now, why is it so important to realize that? Because in the midst of suffering and tragedy, we can forget it. We get so focused on the horror of what is happening around us, we start to wonder if God really does care for us. Well, the psalmist, chapter 34, verse 8, said, Taste and see that the Lord is good. So David is saying that the way of the Lord is a good way and that God will do you good as you walk in his way. Try it and see it. Try actually walking in his way. Only by personal experience does one discover the reality of God's goodness. But now, could it be that God's not as powerful as we think he is? Well, Isaiah chapter 40, he says, To whom, where God says, to whom will you then liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their hosts by number. He calls them all by name, and by the greatness of his might, and the strength of his power, not one is missing. Side ventures to say that the creator of the universe is plenty powerful. Wouldn't you? But despite that, we also have to understand there are some things God cannot do. Numbers chapters 23, verse 19, and Titus 1 and 2, and Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, tell us God cannot lie. Numbers 23:19 God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should repent has he said and will he not do or has he spoken and will he not make it good so he cannot lie it says there and then you look at the greeting of uh, that Paul uh, in his letter to Titus a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness in hopes of eternal life. Watch this now. Uh, oh, wait, this is radio. You can't watch it. Uh, but, but look, if you're in your Bible, look at uh, Titus chapter 1, verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. And then Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible... For God to lie. So he, he can't lie in it because it is impossible. We who have fled for refuge might have strength, or excuse me, have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have set this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul and hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. James 1.13 tells us God cannot be tempted, nor can he tempt anyone with sin. James chapter 1, verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. 
For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So in other words, God cannot do anything out of character, out of character for him. And the reason God cannot lie is because he is truth. He's not just honest like what we want. He is truth. Just like John, uh, 1 John says, God is love. God is also truth. He cannot sin or be tempted to sin uh, because he is pure. So what do we make of all this? God is good, powerful, to perform any and all things within his character, but we still have evil. Why? Well, to answer that, we have to look at the source. Now, one of the arguments brought out uh, of the belief that God is all-powerful is that since he created everything, then he must have created evil. And uh, this actually comes from the book, uh, some of this here I'm looking at comes from the book, The Case for Faith. That's one of Lee Strobel's book. Uh, and the, uh, objection number one, since evil and suffering exist, a loving God cannot exist. But why do we have evil? Okay, let's look at James chapter 1. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, uh, does he himself tempt anyone. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. Again, for God cannot tempt, uh, be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone himself. So I've repeated that there. So now here's where you need to listen carefully. This is where you need, if you're you know, multitasking and you're doing something else while you listen to the broadcast, stop what you're doing for just a minute. If you're taking notes, stop just a minute and listen. Okay, is everybody listening? Listening very, very, very carefully, because I don't want you to get off here and say, oh, Cordell said this or said that, and, and misunderstand what I'm saying here. Okay, everybody listening. Okay, God did not create evil. God did not create evil. Okay, listening, everybody listening. God created the, are you ready, possibility of evil. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, here's, here's a man named Peter uh, Kreeft. He was a philosophy professor at Boston College, author of numerous books on philosophy and religion. Here's what he said. He said, it is not logically possible to have free will and have no possibility of moral evil. In other words, once God chose to create human beings with free will, it was up to them rather than God as to whether there was sin or not. Okay? It is not logical, uh, not logically possible to have free will and have no possibility of moral evil. In other words, once God chose to create human beings with free will, it was up to them rather than God as to whether there, would, there was sin or not. So God gave us all free will. You've got it. I've got it. Uh, everybody listening to this broadcast has got it. You made the free will choice to listen to this broadcast, either uh, in real time uh, live 
or you're listening to a replay on one of the uh, streaming platforms. So that means that built into God's creation of human beings is the chance of evil, and consequently the suffering that results from evil. Henry Ford, the founder of the Ford Motor Company, as best as I can tell, he actually said this. He said that a customer can have a car painted in any color he wants, so long as it's black. Okay, so where's the choice there? But Mr. Ford, I'd like to have a red car. No, you can have whatever color you want, but it's got to be black. Okay, can I have a white car? No, you can have any color as long as it's black. How about a green one? Ah, any color you want as long as it's black. Where is the choice there? Well, obviously, there is no choice. So now suppose God created us, and he said, okay, humans, you can make any choice you want, do whatever you want, but it has to be the right choice. It has to be the moral choice. It, excuse me, it has to be the righteous choice. Where then is the choice? Where is our free will? Of course, we would have none. We would then be the mind-numbed robots uh, that are just programmed to act and not think that uh, critics of Christianity, which Neil deGrasse Tyson, as far as I know, is an atheist, uh, like that, like to accuse us of being that we just spout what our church tells us to or what the pastor tells us to. But that's not the way it works. God created human beings in his image capable of having and sustaining a relationship with him. But to be in his image, then we have to be capable of freely loving him and following uh, his will without being forced. So the creatures who are free to love God must also be free to hate or to ignore God. So the choice is, uh, whose choice is this? See, God is capable of destroying evil, but he can't do it without destroying human freedom. The source of evil is is not the devil, like Flip, I think it was Flip Wilson. Uh, He used to say, you know, the devil made me do it. But it's really our own free will. We choose evil. Now, Satan, we're told, is like a roaming lion, seeking whom he may devour. I do not believe Satan is all-knowing like God is all-knowing. But I do believe Satan is a very, very, very keen observer. And he's got his minions. Remember, uh, Jesus described hell as a place prepared for the devil and his angels. So he's got his angels, his demons, his minions, whatever you want to call them. They're out there. They're watching. Satan watches. And he finds our weak spots, and that's what he hits us with. Uh, Dr. Norm Geisler, uh, who, who co- I believe he co-authored, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist with Frank Turpin, he said evil is a lot like rust on metal. The rust does not exist on its own. It's part of the metal that it contaminates. And Turpin uh, uses this uh, illustration, too. You cannot have rust unless you have a car or some kind of metal for the rust to cling to. So I can go out and I can, uh, uh, you know, paint or do whatever and get the rust off the car, but I can't get the car off the rust. So we can have good without evil, but we can't have evil without good. And we have to have a standard to measure it. What standard are we using? Well, we use, Christians use the scriptures. And when people admit that there's good and evil, they're in effect admitting there's a standard of good which means leads back to God, because that's where we ultimately get our standard for 
good or evil. The bottom line is the source of evil is not the devil. The source of evil is our own free will. Again, going back to James, he says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desires, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So then we go back to the main question, why doesn't God destroy evil? Well, by now, I hope it's becoming obvious, it's becoming clear that to destroy evil means God's got to destroy you and he's got to destroy me. And so God will ultimately triumph over evil, but he will not, uh, uh, but he will not destroy it while we are still here uh, and inhabiting it. So... What we need to be doing is, is looking at God for his standard to know good and evil and reach out to God who can do something about what's going on uh, uh, in our lives. Because Christians wrestle with this. Why is, why is there just so much of it? And, and you need to hear again, pay attention, maybe stop what you're doing here for just a minute. Because I have this really deep philosophical answer about why there is so much evil in the world. It's kind of deep. Okay, you ready? Why is there so much evil uh, in the world? The answer is, I don't know. Now, that's my most scholarly answer I can give you. And I may not be able to pinpoint the exact reason why there is so much evil in the world. But that doesn't mean reasons don't exist. And here's some reasons uh, we can we can look at, and this the answer may not um, you know satisfy everybody. Like I say, you know, I'm going to give you an answer. Like Peter said, to have an answer ready, he never said anybody's going to like the answer. But in Isaiah 55, it says, "My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways," says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So let me ask you this. For the adults in the audience, did you always understand the reason behind everything that your parents did or did not do or allowed or did not allow? Do you understand or like everything that the boss uh, allows or doesn't allow or uh, mandates through his policies and procedures? No. We don't like everything. We don't understand everything our parents do. i got a 10-year-old now, uh, and she's got the mind of a lawyer. And uh, she, you know, wants reasons to this and that and the other, and she wants to discuss and debate and that sort of thing. And a lot of times it comes down to, I tell her, look, I'm the dad. That's why you have to do it this way. Well, when it comes down to God, sometimes, hey, he's God. That's why it has to be done this way. And so it's unrealistic for us to expect to understand everything that God does and understand all of God's reasons for allowing uh, all that he does or for doing all that he does. And you can look at some ways that we can, uh, uh, some ways to not cope uh, with suffering and some ways to cope with suffering. But one of the things we have to understand is don't look at all the instances of pain and suffering as some sort of cosmic conspiracy against you. Uh, it's the basic premise of Hinduism. It says you suffer because of wrongs you did in previous lives. 
and uh, you, that's uh, many, many times the untouchables, the so-called untouchables in, in the uh, Hindu caste system. They're down at the bottom uh, because uh, they're believed to have had sin or something in their previous lives. And so because of their station in life, no one will have anything to do with them. No one except Christians, that is. Because over in India, it's Christian and Christian-based organizations that typically reach out and help people like that. Uh, my reading of Gandhi, uh, which is Mahatma Gandhi, which is you know, not a whole lot, was that even he wouldn't have anything to do with a lot of them uh, and didn't want them to be involved in the government because they were uh, the, the dregs of society or considered the dregs of uh, society. But the Bible says that God loves the fatherless and the downtrodden and that it is God's church, it is Christ's church, that it's supposed to be involved in, in helping uh, those folks. Another unhealthy response is just to react with cynicism and bitterness towards God and rejecting his sovereignty in the affairs of men. One place to go is into the book of Psalms, which records many instances of David and other writers crying out to God about the suffering and the injustice that they see. In fact, there are almost as many psalms of lament as there are psalms of praise and thanksgiving. And sometimes there is a great mix of sadness and praise in the same psalm. So we can allow ourselves to experience the emotional pain to be involved and to express it. And we are encouraged by God in the Bible to pour out our hearts to him. And we can be sure that he understands. See, that was really uh, gets to the core of why Jesus came. Remember, he was tempted in all ways as we are, but was, was without sin. He went through the human experience. Uh, the temptations you read about in the four gospel accounts, I don't believe were the only times that Jesus was tempted. When uh, Satan finished tempting Jesus, Luke says that he left Jesus until a more opportune time. Or for a season, and the wording's a little different depending on what translation you use. But, uh, but Jesus was tempted in all ways as we are, but without sin. So he understands, you won't be able to stand on Judgment Day and say, well, hey, you didn't know what it was like to live on earth as a human being. Jesus is going to say, oh, really? I was tempted in all ways, but I was without sin. So he knows exactly what we're dealing with. Psalm 13 says, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. So he knew, David knew that he could question God. It's okay to ask questions. God can take it. It's okay to, to ask him. It's okay to, to be upset. God ultimately knows what's best for us, though. And David finishes Psalm 13 uh, by saying, uh, I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. So the first thing we can do to cope is to cry out to God in our frustrations and in our hopelessness. David knew he could uh, question God, but that God ultimately knows what's best, and God is not afraid of the tough questions. Some people, some people are afraid to have tough questions. Uh, we just have to accept the fact that there are tough questions in life, and some of them we don't have answers to. Uh, I, you know, one of the things I have noticed over the years is that we have uh, – a lot of questions still about diseases and issues like cancer. What is the surefire cure for cancer? Well, we don't have one. We don't have a surefire cure for Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or a whole 
host of other diseases. But I have never heard anybody say, well, you know what, we need to give up on this cancer research business. It's We're not going to find the answer. Uh, it's just pointless. Give it up. Let's go do other things. What do they do? We use the fact that we don't have answers to some of these questions as a reason to raise money to continue researching cancer, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and all these other diseases. But when it comes to God, oh, I have questions about God. I can't figure this out. God didn't do the guy. I forget it. I'm going to walk away. Do we change the rules when it comes to dealing with God and the Bible? And maybe I'll talk about that on another lesson about our inconsistencies. We'll accept no or I don't know from humans. But when it comes to God, all of a sudden, no, we want everything our way right here, right now. Uh, and it's an inconsistency we humans have. Romans 8.28. Uh, this is number, I think, one or two on my list of scriptures that are abused, misused, and misquoted. Um, because we can focus on great truths of Scripture that God is going to be working even in times that we look at as being bad, and that's what Romans uh, 8 tells us, basically. It, it gets quoted many times as saying, uh, well, you know, you know, the Bible says all things are good. Oh, really? Where does it say that? Oh, in Romans 8.28, really? The, you know, the Bible says good's going to come out of all situations. Really, where? Oh, it's in Romans somewhere, you know. Uh, all things work out in the end. Really, where does it say that? And then inevitably they come back to Romans 8.28, but here's what it says. We know that all things, underline that word all, all things uh, work together for good to those that love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. And most people stop right there. But really, you need to go on to verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Be conformed to the image of his son. That is God's ultimate endgame, is to make us conform to the image of Christ. And so God takes the good and the bad and makes it work out that way. He never said everything was going to be good or easy or anything like that. So another way to reach out to God uh, in coping with tragedy and suffering is to do something to alleviate the suffering when it is in our power to do so. You know, sometimes God uses people to do his work on earth. Many times we're looking for the big miracle. We're looking for the big miracle cure. Uh, it's like a businessman. I'm always working on the big deal. When if he'd make some smaller deals, he would equal any big deal. And we're looking for the huge miracle. We're looking for something spectacular when many times the answer to a problem is staring us in the face. God uses people to do his work here on earth. And sometimes we need to help others to alleviate their pain. And sometimes a situation, uh, and I found this a couple of times, more than once actually, uh, I go through a bad time, a bad situation, and then a year, two years down the road, I come across someone who's going through almost the exact same thing. And I can say, look, I've been there. I, I've had to go through the same thing. Let me tell you what I did that didn't work, the mistakes I made. And, you know, if I had it to do over again, here's how I would do it. Give you an example. A friend of mine was preaching in a very rural area. This is, goes way back. And his wife was expecting their first child. And there were some problems with the pregnancy. I think the baby got breached and the umbilical cord was around his neck and that sort of thing. And in the area they were living, they didn't have the exactly high-tech best of medical uh, uh, 
the equipment and that sort of thing. Uh, well, long story short, the child was born, is healthy and fine. He's, I think, now in his 40s or thereabouts and is uh, involved in ministry and that sort of thing. It was about a year later that another couple uh, in the community had almost the exact same situation with their pregnancy. And it gave uh, my friend an opportunity to um, to be of service and to uh, uh, talk about Jesus with these people. And uh, so it, it helped them. There was some good that came out of that. And the the job of the church, remember, is to impact our society with the gospel of Jesus. We're, we're to be out making disciples. And that means, among other things, that we are with people who need Jesus. And not everybody who needs Jesus is living in a nice uh, suburban neighborhood or anything uh, like that and having life go perfect. In fact, if life was perfect for all of us, we wouldn't need Jesus now, would we? Another response sometimes, uh, the only response many times, is simply to wait and to trust. Many times, that's all we can do because God is going to do things on his timetable, not ours. And many times we hit, we're sitting there, where it's almost like you're sitting there uh, with your car in park or in neutral, and you're stomping on the gas, and the engine's revving, and you're ready to go. And then when you get the uh, tachometer up to, you know, thousands of RPM, what happens then if you let up on the brake or put the car in gear? You're going to go lurching forward, and it's not going to be good for you or the car. So you got to be patient. And sometimes with God, that's all we can do is just wait and be patient. So see, the problem uh, of evil is a problem, and it shouldn't be taken lightly, but it does not uh, go to showing or proving or doing anything so far as the existence of God or the goodness of God. Uh, God uh, has made us all with free will, and we have to remember he will allow us, either through his permissive will or his purposeful will, to do things that may not be that smart that may not be that good, but it, we have that free will. You have the free will with what you're going to do with the message you heard tonight and all the other messages you hear uh, on this program and in the churches around the world. The message uh, of Jesus, what are you going There's a song that says, what will you do with Jesus? You've got free will to either become a Christian, be baptized, to have your sins forgiven, as we're told in the scriptures to do, and then come and live a faithful life. Or you can just, yeah, you know what, that, that, that's really interesting. That, that lesson Cordell did tonight was really interesting. But nah, I don't think I need Jesus. I, don't, I, I think I can uh, live a good life and do it on my own. Hey, that is your choice. But just remember, you can make the wrong choice. Paul was, uh, Saul of Tarsus was a very sincere, very learned man, but he was also wrong. And he found out on the road to Damascus that one day when Jesus met him and said, why are you persecuting me? So the choice is up to you to do good, to do evil, to become a Christian or not, to live a faithful Christian life or to be inconsistent and lukewarm. So if you, if you know what you need to do, why do you wait? Find a faithful congregation of the Lord's people and let them help you do what you need to do. If you have questions, you know, contact Stevie or me, contact any of the speakers on the program. We'll be glad to help you find a congregation in your area that can help you 
study the scriptures and know what you need to do to answer that question, what must I do to be saved? So thank you for your time. Thank you, Stevie, for having me on the program. Hope everybody has a great Christmas, happy new year, great rest of the holiday season, and we'll see you in the new year. Thanks for having me. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Gospel Light Radio broadcast. I hope, as always, that every one of you is doing well and you are in favor with God and man. Thank you, Brother Stevie, for allowing me to speak to your splendid audience on this beautiful Thursday evening. It's hard to believe, but we are at the end of this calendar year. This year has zipped by, and now there are only about 11 days until the new year ushers, ushers in. Quite a few exciting events have taken place in my life, and I look forward to greeting what the next year will bring. And I've tried to serve as well as I could this year, but I know there's room for much improvement in 24. I also hope you will have the courage to make any necessary changes you may need to make before or after the year uh, arrives. We still have time. If you need to become a, a Christian, please don't hesitate any longer. Um, if I can be of any service in answering any questions you may have or subject you may wish to talk about, you can contact me at my email address, Yusuf Ford, and it's Y-U-S-U-F-F-O-R-D dot Y-F, that's in Yankee Foxtrot, at gmail.com. And you can also reach out to this radio broadcast, and there are... Um, that information will be forwarded to myself or a number of very capable ministers that can respond to your questions, and I'm sure they would be more than happy to. Thank you for listening to the many shows and guests Stevie brings to the air and broadcasts. He broadcasts around the, the world each week. Uh, he's such a diligent servant of the Lord and his people, and we both serve the Lord. We feel the same way about serving the Lord. I'd like to present a, a lesson to you. you now, keep in mind, I'm a servant of the Lord, and and I have an obligation to to preach the gospel. I love serving God's people. I always have. I cannot overstate that enough. I love serving on tables, passing out trays. I love serving the congregation in communion, offering prayer on behalf of uh, worshiping members. I love reading the scriptures in preparation of messages that. I've heard preachers preach, or teachers may have bring. I love reading scriptures. I love congregational prayer. What a blessing it is also to be a part of you know the service, opening doors for our guests and families when they come in and direct them to particular uh, seats or maybe rooms. I love serving at dinner tables. I love serving in the kitchen and the dining room. Again, it's such an awesome experience and feeling uh, serving God's people. And just as a disclaimer, the message that I share with you tonight are not the opinion of this radio broadcast, but my own opinion and thoughts. So this listener discretion is advised. In heaven, we will be in the truth. I love the truth. I love the scriptures. I love, I absolutely like David. In the scriptures day and night, I'm, they're constantly in my mind. I'm, whatever I'm doing, I'm reminded of scriptures. I I can be washing my car and I'm thinking of scriptures, eating, watching TV with my family and friends or whatever, walking down the street. Scriptures are always on my mind. And I love the scriptures. 
And I think about that in heaven, we will be in the truth, surrounded by it, and we will be part of the truth. And so I wanted to share with you several things I love to think about when it comes to the next life and my personal joys and thoughts. And I know this is the this, the end of the year, the Christmas season, and people are thinking about all of that. That's not necessarily on my mind, especially this time of year, because I celebrate I cel- I don't celebrate it like most people do. Christmas is not a once a year thing for me. I celebrate it all the year because I give to people and give gifts all during the year. So I'm not one of those guys who waits to the end of the year and it's just, you know, just just a marvelous, happy occasion. Because for me, it's that's the if you're going to celebrate it, it's, you, you should celebrate his life correctly. And that's not just once a year because he encourages us to remember him and and do the right thing and be in the right spirit uh, every day of the year, not just once a year. So um, I look forward to this time of year because people treat each other a little bit better than they do normally. But then that's soon over <laughs> on the 26th or the 27th of, of the month, and that's sad. But for me, I think about not necessarily this life. I My focus is on the next life. And there are a lot of things that I think about. And I want to talk to you about the several or the seven things, or at least seven things that I think about in life after life. And I look forward to serving there. I look, I look forward to serving in heaven. And someone may say, well, Brother Ford, isn't that why you want to, isn't that why we want to go? Um, heaven, our labors, or won't our labors end in heaven? Well, the scriptures don't directly say we will serve or we won't, or we won't serve others, but I'm prepared. Uh, we will, however, serve the Lord. Revelation chapter 22, verse 3. Um, one through three says, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb, and in the midst of the street of it, and on up, um, on either side of the river was there a tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and it also says, and there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. So indeed, uh, this idea about not serving in heaven, I don't think it's its not fair uh, to really look at this. You need to really think about this. I look forward to serving. I look forward to serving them both, standing before them. And so the idea of heaven being a place where we can just lounge around on white, fluffy clouds, strumming hearts as the angels sing in harmony. It's just not mentioned in the scriptures. I don't know where that came from, but, I, you know, people come up with these ideas. And I once heard a, a group of people singing, I'm going to shout all over God's heaven. And I thought to myself, well, you might want to wait till you get there. You might want to wait, wait on that one because I don't read where we're going to shout all over Heaven, that's something else um, uh, people need to really think about because heaven is supposed to be peaceful and quiet. And it may not be the place for some people, especially if if you're 
rowdy or you like noise. Revelation chapter 8 verse 1 says that when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of an hour. Uh, that half an hour in earthly time could very well be centuries. You know, one year is with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. So one year, a half an hour could be <laughs> literally be years and years. That might not, that might be too long for some people to be quiet. I don't know. Uh, it's just one of those things. Again, one of those thoughts that come to your mind. So working in heaven shouldn't be a surprise to us. Uh, angels are working right now. You know, if you consider the scriptures, here's here's a scripture to consider. Uh, Hebrews chapter one verse thirteen, the Bible says, "But but to uh, but to which of the angels said he at any time sit on my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits?" Sent forth to minister to them who shall be heirs of salvation. So they're they're working right now. They're working right now. The angels are coming back and forth. You know, Jacob saw that ladder. He saw in um, in the book of Genesis, angels ascending and descending, and Jesus called it his ladder on on the uh, the the, uh, the ladder that stretched from heaven to earth. So angels are busy now, working every single day. They're working with us and for us and on our behalf. And they've never sinned against God, and they're not sinning. Why should we? And there are very few unemployed angels, if there are any unemployed angels, and there's certainly no unemployed Christians. Revelation chapter 22 and 9, the angel told John, uh, Then saith he unto me, See thou, uh, do it not, for I am thy fellow servant. And of thy brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. So John wanted to worship him for all known. He said, don't do that. I'm, I'm serving God just like you. I'm a fellow servant. Notice the expression, the words that he used. I'm a servant. I'm working. So angels are working now. So many prefer to rest or they think they will rest. I'm not going there with that that idea. I'm just going there with the idea. Now, if I don't have to, if we don't have to work in heaven, if we don't have to serve, great. But I'm not going to go there with this whole idea that I'm going to be floating on clouds, singing, playing harps all the all day, sitting around trees eating manna and that sort of thing. No. So another thing I think about, we're going to talk about great trials and tribulations that we've come out of. Revelation chapter 7, verse 13, And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, said John, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Uh, that's going to be amazing. That we're going to have an opportunity to share our stories and talk about the many great trials. That's why we're going through so many trials now. And some of us are going through great trials. I know I'm going through great trials, as a matter of fact. Um, a lot of the members that I know are going through some fiery trials. People who are living in the United States who are Christians are going through some fire, fiery trials right now. 
just standing with the Lord. And we're always under attack as Christians. We're always fighting. Matthew chapter 13 speaks of the strength of the church and the willingness, their willingness to endure the trials uh, that come upon them, as Jesus said. But he that received the seed into stony places, <clears throat> the same as he that heareth the word and anon with joy receiveth it, yet hath no root in, in himself, but endureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word by and by, he is offended. And of course, we've seen that in our lifetime. I've seen it so many years. For uh, Again, I've been in the church for many years, over 43 years now. I've seen this <laughs> from the beginning of my Christian life. When I came in, there was a a, 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 a number of people within our congregation that walked away from from the Lord. And so verse 23 of that same chapter, chapter 13 says, But he that receives seed in the, on, into good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And so that's these are the great trials and the tribulations that Jesus saw and that John spoke of that we will come out of, we will go through, and we will talk about, and we will sing about. The Bible says, and they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are they are thy ways, thou King of saints. Revelation chapter 15 and verse 3. So even those who can't sing a tune right now will fit in. No bad voices, no off keys. No sharp or flats uh, or anybody out of sync. Everything will be in perfect harmony. And we'll talk about and we'll sing about these great trials. And it's going to be amazing because the the ones who don't have to come to earth to serve, I'm sure are going to be curious about our life. And we'll share those stories not only with the angels and the ones who are there in heaven, but even the saints. And that's something Again, that I look forward to uh, hearing the stories of the old saints. We'll talk to them and they'll talk to us about the things that happened to us in this life. That's what I look forward to. Now, along those lines, uh, the, the saints actually do exist. Now, there's some thought and some theological things and studies and debates about whether there's another life, whether people actually exist beyond this life. If this is just it, this is it. Once you leave this life, total annihilation, total uh, non-existence is what some people believe. But in Matthew 17, it features Jesus speaking with Moses and Elijah in the top of a mountain in a, a three-dimensional transformation. Read that, Matthew chapter 17. Luke chapter 16, Abraham is said to have been alive in, in the afterlife speaking to a man who had recently passed away, the rich man in Lazarus, that story. First Samuel chapter 28, Saul brings Samuel up from the grave by the witch of Endor and speaks to him. Uh, and this, this conversation um, is evidence. These conversations are evidence that there is life beyond the grave. And so 
I'm looking forward to to the things that I believe the scriptures. Again, I believe the truth and I believe that the Bible is true and I don't believe that these things are myth. I don't think that they're falsehoods. I don't think that they're lies. First Corinthians chapter 13 verse 12 says, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Paul said, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I'm known. So we'll know each other uh, by who we were. Now we'll have different names. But he's saying that we'll be known as we're known. And how great would that be to talk to people that we know now that we came out of great trials and tribulations with, but also to see the saints who lived in, on the earth before we did, before we existed. These are going to be amazing conversations that we'll be able to sit around and talk. I can't wait to talk to the old saints. I, there are a number of people I want to see first. I want to see Adam and Eve. Where's Eve? Where's Adam? Because <laughs> I'm sure that probably happens in the if in the in the in the next world as soon as people leave and are reacquainted with the uh, people that lived in the past life. Where's even Adam? Especially women. I hear that all the time. I want to talk to Eve about this whole thing. So here's another thing. Number five for me: none of the horrible experiences of this life will ever be repeated. They'll never be repeated. We won't have to go through all of the things that we're going through over and over and over and over again because it just won't exist in the next life. And that will be a blessing. I don't even want to talk about it in the, in the sense. Some of the things that we we went through here and, and there are certain things I won't. I, I, I'm pretty sure I'll be on guard against and I won't even it won't even come into conversation. Because the new life will take on a new shape. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 53. Uh, this, the Bible states, for this corruption, this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Amen. So we're going to pass from this mortal life and all of the incident and the hospital visits and the sicknesses and all of the other issues that happen and they will never be repeated again. We will never have to go through this again. None of it. And so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to my new body. I'm looking forward to a body that doesn't get sick. I'm looking forward to a body that never dies. We already have a spirit. Our, our soul was made immortal. When God created man in his own image, he, he made him so that he could never stop existing. We will never cease to exist. Our soul will never cease to exist. It will always live. It will live on. And it will outlive the physical body a million times, a million times, a million. The physical realm has no is in, in no comparison to the lifespan and the existence, uh, the ability to exist as the the spiritual man or the soul that God created man to be. So isn't that wonderful? Now this might step on a few toes, but it is what it is. There will be no more homosexuality and corrupt lifestyles or concepts in that new life. 
None of the things that we had, it just won't be. It'll be, you know, this is reading from Romans chapter 1 and verse 22. The scripture says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of an uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up into vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their own lusts one towards another, men with men working that which is not unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Heaven promises to be free of all these types of behaviors. And it is a behavior. It's a learned behavior. But I'm so glad that heaven promises to be free of all this. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There won't be any of these types of liberties, lifestyles in in the new world, in God's kingdom. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their place in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Isaiah chapter 50, these, these are scriptures. This is not me. This is not me. This is scripture. Isaiah 35 verse 8. And a highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. And the unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfarer man, that though fools shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. This is what I'm looking forward to. Sounds like a pretty, it sounds pretty clear to me. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to live. No prejudice or wars or crime or fighting, pollution, overcrowdiness or sin. None of those things. So it's going to be, it's, these are the joyful thoughts that I have about the next life. Just to name a few. And I would like to take this time to just thank God and praise God because he's called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. I never, never want to look back. He said, Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. And uh, those of you who are Bible readers knows, you know how that ended. Remember Lot's wife. I'm never going to look back because heaven is my home. This is what I'm fighting for. This is what I'm living for. And these are the type of people I want to spend eternity with who live, have clean hearts and clean minds and clean lives 
and want to serve the Lord forever and ever and ever. That may be too much for some people, but that's what I want. And so there it is. That's my my last message to you for this year. And I hope you weren't offended. But I share again, I share with you my thoughts and my opinions on what I believe, what I believe and what I read and what others believe and what they read may be differently. But these are the things that I read and these are the things I believe in and hold close to my heart. And I like to take this time to wish you, if I can, Happy holidays. I look forward to speaking with you next year if it's God's will. Thank you, Brother Stevie, for granting me this wonderful opportunity of sharing my thoughts and opinions with your remarkable audience. And may you all have a great holiday. Be well, everyone, and be blessed. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Brother Stevie, for this opportunity. Have a good night. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'll be with the Lord. I'll be with the Lord. While the ages roll on. While the ages roll on. Through the valley of death. Through the valley of death. I'm sure I must go. I'm sure I must go. So the wages of sin. So the wages of sin. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I'll be judged by the deed. I'll be judged by the deed. And the seed I have sown. And the seed I have sown. And I'll live with my Savior. And I'll live with my Savior. While the ages roll on. 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 While the ages roll on.
you're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. This is a program reminder. Stevie B's Media Production presents. We're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. The telephone number to the live show is 713-955-0508. And the website is www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash gospel light radio show. On Tuesday evening, I'm hosting a live show, What a Word of the Lord Radio Show. And this this show will air every second, third, and fourth Tuesday of the month. Second Tuesday of the month, the show will air from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we have a guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ will be making a proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And also during that show we have the Community Corner segment that's simply designed for small business owners and entrepreneurs. We have Protestant services for our communities. We also have two co-hosts on that show. Luke Gilbert, he's the evangelist for the Oakland Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And Isa Mullins, he serves the Church of Christ in Cary, North Carolina. And the third Tuesday of the month, that show airs at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And my co-host is Dr. Antherica Lane. She's a board-certified obstetrician and gynecologist. She serves the Great Road Church of Christ there in Cincinnati, Ohio. And she'll be hosting her show, Conversations with Dr. Lane. And on the fourth Tuesday of the month, that show airs at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And my co-host is Kelly Fletcher. She serves with the Livingstone Church of Christ here in Indianapolis, Indiana. And she'll be hosting her show, The Kelly Fletcher Show. And on Thursday evening, each week from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show, The Gospel Light Radio Show. And there are eight co-hosts on this show, Clay Phillips, Dr. Frank Washington Jr., Steve Cordo, Robert Lee Johnson, Excuse me, Glenn McMillian, Yusuf Ford, Stanley Hubbard, and Brian Christian Coleman. And these gentlemen will be making their proclamation of the gospel of Christ. Each week I have two co-hosts on the air with me. And I'm also taking a question from my social media platform on Facebook called Shout Out. I'll be posing to one of my co-hosts on that live show. <coughs> Excuse me. And on Friday night, I'll be hosting a live show on Stevie B's I Call It Gospel Music Blast. And that showed the 2022 recipient for the Nakama National Academy of Christian Acapella Music Arts Award for Outstanding Achievement in Record or Radio. And the show aired from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. And on this show, I'm playing some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists, Sweet Sounds of Voices, and we're also interviewing artists, producers, writers, etc. And we're also debuting new music and featuring old music on this broadcast as well. Every third Friday of the month, we have the Top 20 Countdown Show, and we have a new list for the year 2024. And we have on-demand episodes. There, there are just a variety of musical platforms that you can listen to these shows on. Uh, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Apple iTunes, YouTube, etc. And just search for Stevie B Media Productions. We also have recorded version shows. These shows were album debuts mostly, so the same playlist that was used on the live shows on Blog Talk Radio, these same these shows can be heard on iHeartRadio, Deezer, and also on Amazon Music. And the shows are done in beta high fidelity, so the sound quality is excellent. Just search for Stevie B Media Productions, Stevie B's recorded version shows. And we want to thank all of our sponsors who are sponsoring these radio shows. If you'd like to become a sponsor, just contact my sponsorship manager, Michelle Marco. She's from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Her telephone number is 954-687-4700. The three E's of Stevie B Media Production, it is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate, we want to edify, we want to encourage in a study of God's Word. And that will conclude our program announcements. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. I want to thank my co-hosts on the broadcast this evening, Dr. Frank Washington Jr. and Yusuf Ford for their fine lessons on the broadcast. Really do appreciate these brothers on the show. And also my co-host Steve Corder, he gave a, a great answer for that shouted out question. Certainly appreciate his efforts as well. It is my prayer that the lessons that were given on this broadcast have been beneficial to your spiritualizing your relationship with the Lord to strengthen them because not only tune in this radio broadcast, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's word. So until we meet again, I pray God's continued blessings upon your lives and that he bless you real, real good. You've been listening to the Gospel Live radio show on behalf of my co-host. We really do appreciate your love and support for these programs. I'm your host, Steve Rob Butler. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Well, I know Jesus, hey, he will fix it. He'll fix it for you. Hey, I know that he knows.
Lord, 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 you show me good to me. Oh, Lord, Father, show me good to me. Hey, I said, Lord, 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 show me good to me. Cause you say,
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.